Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. It is great to be back in San Marcos. Praise God. Wow. Uh, I saw photos uh, last week of... Alex preaching here and it was a packed altar and packed. And so, man, I, I don't even know how to, how to do the encore tonight. I'm just, can we give Pastor Alex just a great round? Isn't he just an amazing human? I'm just so proud of him. So proud of him. Now, listen, if you didn't make it on Sunday tonight, uh, we're going to open up the altar and, and I want you to fill out a vision card. I want you to fill out a vision card. Um, you know, it's so funny when, when beautiful pastor Samuel and his uh, absolutely bodacious wife, Katie, moved down from Seattle, Pastor Samuel made a comment. He's like, hang on, what's, what's with this for Vision Sunday? It, Vision Sunday, normally the pastor gets up and tells the church about the vision of the church. And he says, that's kind of boring. I said, you know, church, you know, vision hasn't really changed. So why would we do it every year? It's just impact the city. It's pretty simple. I said, but I want you to have a vision. I want you to have a vision. It's very important that you operate with vision. And, and, I, and I would kind of talk to some pastors, you know, about this and it would kind of mess them up a little bit. They're like, well, you know, oh, you know, people will go and do their own things. I'm like, well, I, I, I want every single person. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. You, you're meant to have faith. God put your eyes in the front of your head because you're meant to be forward looking. You, you are meant to live with vision. Sight is what you see when your eyes are open. Vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. Sight is seeing what's in front of you. Vision is seeing what's ahead of you, what God has down the track for you. Sight might be able to see a mile or so. Vision sees sometimes decades into the future. God wants you to live with vision. What we found in this house is that, that when, when you fill out your vision card, it's, it's a connection point. There was a woman who for 12 years had been hemorrhaging, had been bleeding. She was so anemic. The poor thing was so sick. The Bible says that she spent all her livelihood, all her money on physicians and doctors and medical experts who couldn't help her. Her condition was beyond the, the, the medical skill sets of that day. But when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him. And when she touched the hem of his garment, a flow went from Christ into her. And Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And the disciples are like, well, everybody. And he's like, no, no, no. Somebody intentionally grabbed me because I felt virtue. I felt power flow out. And when the woman said it was me, and the moment I touched you instantly, the fountain of my flow was healed. And Jesus says to her daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. The, the point of contact was her faith and Jesus. In this house, I'd say it all the time, and you've probably heard it before, but it's, it bears worth repeating, that we don't believe in miracles. We depend on them. 
oh, do you believe in miracles? Believe in it? Shoot, man, that, was, that, that train left the station long ago. We, we depend on them. My God, if miracles don't turn up, Jesse, I don't know how we're going to make it through. If miracles don't, we, we don't just believe in miracles, we depend on them. And we see them every single week. So, so this, don't, don't, don't write something easy. I was, you know, telling the, uh, the El, El Cajun crew on, uh, on Sunday that there was a few times, Pastor, Pastor Jesse and Kat, where, you know, I'm like, ah, I don't want to bother God. I'll just, you know, I'll write something little on here. And the Holy Spirit, you know, He's your helper. And the Holy Spirit's like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, you know, God's busy. He's got to deal with the Biden administration. I don't write anything. You know. uh, sometimes you've got to be a little bit naughty. And, and the Holy Spirit's like, you, you actually insult God if you, if you try and make it easy. Because, you, you know, do you not believe that all things are possible with God? So, so it's very, very important. You know, it's put, put it on your, once you fill it out, put it on your fridge. Put it on your fridge so that every time you're getting a snack or every time you're getting something to drink or every time you, you see it there in front of you, pray over it and believe God for it. We want you to, to, to have miracles. You don't have to move to Oklahoma to buy a house. Did, did, you, know, did you know that... <coughs> that not once on January the 1st has, has God told me, hey, this year Gabriel's gonna come with, with, with a list and he's gonna pull out a list that uh, the following cities no longer can uh, receive the power of God, breakthrough on miracles because they've just gone far too darn expensive. Uh, <laughs> Moscow, New York, Paris, London, Send it. No, no, like God's arm is not short that it cannot. God can provide right here. God's power works. It works in the mountaintop. It works in the valley. The most expensive cities. God is a provider. God doesn't stop providing when the economy changes. God doesn't stop providing when there are empty shelves and cargo ships out at sea. God, God, God is your provider. Sources may, jobs may come and go, but God is your provider. Amen. So at the end of this thing, so I'm gonna, tonight is just basically gonna be an altar call. So I want you to get ready to respond. So if you didn't fill this out, get ready to fill it out, come down, let our team pray over it. Uh, but my, my title tonight is Old Faith for a New Year. Old Faith for a New Year. You may say, well, hang on, what about new faith for a new year? I, I, I got good news tonight. You don't need new faith for a new year. It is a new year. I want you to dig old faith. What, what do I mean by that? Well, come with me in your Bibles. Let's, in, in fact, let's start in Genesis uh, 26, verse 18. Genesis 26, 18. It says, and Isaac, and Isaac dug again the wells of water, the wells of Abraham. Isaac dug again the wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines, those little rascals, had stopped them up after the death of Abraham and he called them by the names of which his father had called them. Nothing's in the Bible by accident. Isaac dug again the wells, plural, the wells of his father Abraham. Now come with me to uh, the book of Hebrews. Uh, Pastor Samuel says that's how he, he knew that God was into coffee 
because of the, the book Hebrews saying Hebrews. So I'm like, I never even put the two together, but you always go to a Bible scholar. You know, he wrote 52 Bible verses for men following Jesus. He's a genius, Hebrews. So verse eight, go to verse eight. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is on the seashore. The reason we want you born again, the reason we want you in Christ is because when you're in Christ, there is a flow that comes down. When, when you're in Christ, you are not just going to heaven. You are not just forgiven of your sins. But the Bible says that you are grafted in to the vine. I'm not sure whether you realize this, but there were 14 generations to Abraham. There were 14 generations from Abraham to David. And then there are 14 generations from Abraham to Jesus. 14 generations. When Jesus came, he, he was of the seed of Abraham. He was of the seed and the house of David. When you get born again, when you're in Christ, you have the Davidic, the Goliath, giant slaying anointing, but you have the faith, you have access to the faith of Abraham. The reason the title of this message is Old Faith for a New Year is I want you to take a leaf out of Isaac's book and I want you to dig up the wells of Abraham. If you know the story of Abraham and if you're doing the one year Bible, you'll be in it right now. You'll, you'll, you'll notice that Abraham, God is speaking to him about descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, sand on the seashore. And it's interesting. It's almost like God hasn't really looked at the details. You know, he's kind of like he's a boy. So he looks at headlines. Because the details are, uh, God, you may want to take a second look at this guy you've chosen because his wife's barren. The doctor's report says she is infertile. She is unable to conceive. You may just want to choose another man. Why, why Abraham? What about Mordecai over here? I mean, his wife is popping him out left, right, and center. They're up to number 27. You know, and no, but God's, no. God's, no, no, no. Abraham's the guy. Abraham, you, you are going to be the guy that I'm going to birth my nation you're gonna be the guy that the Messiah, I prophesied that the Messiah would come and crush the devil's head. It's all gonna happen through you, Abraham. Yeah. It's gonna happen through your, your seed. But he's, he's married to a woman who is barren. So you would think, you would think that God, who can do anything, should just get around to fixing Sarah. She's the one with the barren. The Bible says, but Sarah was barren. So you would think that, you know, God would just 
or you know, whatever he needs to do. You know, blink in her direction, wave his hand. I mean, whatever. Because it's, it's her womb that is unable to conceive. And yet God doesn't put a baby in her womb. God doesn't fix her womb. God deals with Abraham. There's nothing wrong with Abraham. We know there's nothing wrong with Abraham because one day in frustration, Sarah says, listen, maybe, just maybe, God wants you to have a son because I hear you out there praying. I hear you believing. Maybe it's meant to happen through my maidservant, Hagar. Why don't you sleep with her? Which is a stupid thing to say. And you do notice there's no argument from Abraham. <laughs> Ladies, men are stupid, okay? And that's all I'm gonna say about that. So Hagar conceives straight away, and it's Ishmael. And in case you think, oh, well, I know Abraham, you got a little bit on his side. The, 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 the Ishmaelites, the Ishmaelites is where we got all the Arab nations and they have been a thorn in the side. They've been threatening to wipe out Isaac and Isaac's seed for thousands of years to this day. To this day, they wanna wipe Isaac and Israel off the, the earth. Iran wants nuclear because they wanna wipe out Israel. They surround all because of Abraham. Well done. Was it really worth it? I guarantee you in heaven, he's kind of got, when he, he, he won't even acknowledge there is a Middle East. He, you know, he's looking the other way. So we know there's nothing wrong with Abraham's seed. It's Sarah's womb. And yet God says to Abraham, I'm gonna make of you a great nation. Out of your body is gonna come descendants, not out of Hagar, but out of Sarah. And he, he keeps getting Abraham. He pulls him out of a tent, gets him to count stars, gives him a vision of the sand on the seashore. And Abraham goes through from 60 to 100, a 40-year battle, 40 years, till he gets to where he's 99 and, and Sarah, Sarai, his wife, is 89. And then God turns up and says, you've been for 39 years battling and believing. I wanna change your name because your name means father or exalted father, Abram. Father that's exalted, exalted father. He says, we're changing your name. And Abraham's finally, you, you, it's too hard, isn't it? You're giving up. And God's like, oh no, I ain't giving up. He says, we're changing your name to Abraham, father of multitudes. Abraham for 12 months has to correct people in the marketplace. Hey, Abram, oh, not Abram anymore. Call me Abraham, father of multitudes. People are going home going, you know, I saw Abraham today. I think, you know, he's lost it, hasn't he? I think he's been in the sun too long. Oh, I think he's got a little bit of a drinking problem. He's probably been smoking something out here. In the... He told everybody to, to stop calling him exalted father, but to now start calling him father of a multitude. I mean, it almost seems cruel. God turns up to a 99-year-old man whose wife is 89. He says, oh, and by the way, change her name from Sarai to Sarah, princess. But the Bible says that when she was beyond bearing, now remember when she was young, she couldn't bear. 
So now there's no doubt, not only is she, was she barren, but now she's 90 years of age, but she brings forth a son and they call him Yitzhak in Hebrew means laughter. They bring, they bring forth laughter. This is all important. I'm getting to my point. Because it was, never, it was never about a son. It was never about a baby. It was never about a child. God could have clicked his fingers in a baby. Twins, quadruplets could have been in Sarah's womb. It was never about the baby. God, God was taking Abraham on a journey because God wanted to bring something into the earth that would overcome. The Bible says, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. God needed Abraham to contrary to hope in hope believe. God needed Abraham despite all odds to believe. God was, God, God, Isaac wasn't just a baby that God delivered. Isaac was a child that, that was conceived because of one man's unwavering, unyielding, tenacious faith and trust in God. And when Isaac was born, he was the son of promise. From him came Jacob, then the 12 patriarchs, and then Christ came from, the, from Judah. And now you and I are in Christ. But the reason that God does this is because it goes all the way back to Abraham so that there's a faith that you and I have that is a reservoir, that is a spring, that is a well, the contrary to hope. We don't need favourable circumstances. He didn't have a favourable womb. He didn't have favourable circumstances. This was important because his great-grandson Joseph would be, would be sent down to Egypt, would be betrayed, would be thrown into a pit, would be abandoned, would be, would be a foreigner rotting in a cell, accused of attempted rape. And, and against all hope, against all odds, there's something on the inside of him that even though he's rotting in a prison cell and his father was deceived because his father was a deceiver, so he got deceived. That's another story. His father believed that his son was dead. There was no search party being sent. There was no looking for him anymore. The Bible says that Jacob had died when he saw the torn tunic of many colours with the blood on it. It was goat's blood. But he, he thought, my boy is dead. I won't see him again until I die and go to eternity. There was no one coming for him. His brothers had sold him into slavery. He is now accused of wanting to, to rape, it looks like it's over, but it can't be over because in his DNA, lodged in his spirit, is a faith that believes against all odds. It's a faith, it's a faith that you and I have access to. That's why we just got to dig again. I'm talking about an old faith for a new day. It's a faith that says you can buy a house in Escondido that is so far out of your, your, your league, that is so far out of your pay grade that is so far above and beyond and you're going to get it for $3 million less than the list price and people are going to call you. It's a faith that says you can move from Sydney, Australia with three little boys, land on the 4th of July not knowing which way to go, which way is up or down, not knowing anything, get a vision of a baseball diamond and God says, I don't want you to have one campus, I want you to have you know four, you've got to surround the city and tell them to come out with their hands up and you're like how can this, but there's a faith on the inside that despite the odds despite the circumstances. 
I want you to know that that faith is, is flowing. All you gotta do is get born again. All you gotta do is get in Christ. Once you're in Christ, that's the access that you have. Abraham fought a battle. Abraham believed against all odds so that you could conceive. When Jesus was on the cross, when Jesus was on the cross, nobody had died and, and come back. Jesus on the cross said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. The Bible says that Jesus quoted a scripture. He knew in Psalm 22, you will not abandon your Holy One to decay. He knew that even though I was, he was gonna die and he was gonna be put into the ground and put into a tomb, he knew on the third day, that's why he said to his disciples, he says, I lay my life down and because I lay it down, no one takes it from me. I have authority to take it back up and I will rise again on the third day. How did he know? It's because of Abraham, because of Abraham's 40 year battle, because of Abraham's faith, Jesus knew he could completely trust God, even to go into death, even to go into the blind, even to go into the dark, into the unknown, knowing that on the third day, God wasn't gonna abandon him. He was gonna rise again, conquering death, conquering hell. I want you to know there's an old faith. You don't need new faith for a new year. You just need to dig again the well. You just need to tap into that reservoir. You need to just get that thing flowing. Come on, give God a praise right now, come on. Oh, I am so naughty, Diana. I, I, I haven't even got to my points and I've got three of the stupid things. All right, well, really quickly, three quick thoughts in five minutes. Number one, live with expectancy. Faith, faith is a forward expectation. You're meant to live with expectancy. Let me just say this, 2023 is gonna be the greatest year of your life. 2023 is gonna be the, Erod, 2023, greatest year of your life, sir. Greatest year. Pablo, greatest year of your life. Marky Cullen, greatest year of your life. Paul O'Neillia, greatest year of your life. Coach Smith, greatest year of your life. Miss, Mrs. Johnson, greatest year of your life this year. Now you may say, well, hang on, whoa, 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 Pastor, you said that in 22. And if I'm not mistaken, 21 and 2020 and 2019. You say this every year. And you know what I do, and I believe it every year. Do you know, I know that 2023 is gonna be the greatest year of my life. You know why? Because of the mistakes I made, the pain I walked through in 2022, the lessons I learned. The Bible says that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and in favor with men. How many people thank God you're not the same person you were last year? How many people thank God you weren't the same person you were five years ago? You're smarter, you're wiser, you're more anointed. You're, 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 you're digging down deeper, you're laying greater foundations. You're turning up 5.30 a.m. on a Tuesday morning to men's prayer. Ladies is going to the, the women's prayer. There's something, I'm telling you, you, you've never walked in so much wisdom. You've never walked in so much anointing. You've never walked in so much favour. You've never been surrounded by, by greater people. This is gonna be the greatest year of your life. There is a faith that's an old faith flowing in your veins. You're gonna untap that cork. You're gonna open up those wells. You're gonna redig the wells of Abraham. I want you to live with expectation expectation. Live believing this is going to be the greatest year of my life. I remember when I first got saved, Pastor Rick, that, uh, you know, people would just say, well, you know, you just got to calm down because, you know, I, I just want whatever God wants for me. 
And so I thought it was like a, you know, I thought it was like a, you know, I thought it was like a sincere, humble prayer. Well, you know, Lord, I just want, you know, whatever you want. And God's like, well, what do you want? I'm like, whoa, whoa. it's a little TMI. Like, I only want what you want me to want. Like, if you want me to want Leanne, I mean, I wouldn't mind, but if you, I mean, if you, no, no, I prefer Leanne. Oh, no. And so, you know, Psalm 37 verse four says, delight yourself on the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Did you know that? Let me, let me, just, let me just kind of mess you up. For God's will to come to pass in your life. In fact, God cannot do His will in your life. He can only do your will. Everybody, every Calvinist will tell you the sovereignty of God, but God made man in His image and in His likeness. The most powerful force in the universe is the will of man because it can resist God. Even though there's much suffering in their world, God has given them free will to whatever they choose. They, you can choose to follow God or you can choose to turn your back on Him. You can choose to believe or you can choose to rebel. God will not violate your free will. When Jesus was in Gethsemane, Jesus had no sin. And he's sweating drops of blood. And he says, Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass me by without me drinking it, please. But nevertheless, not my will. Thy will be done. Jesus knew that, that God's will had to become his will for it to come to pass. The most powerful you can pray, you can pray is God. I want your will to be my will. And when it becomes, when His will becomes your will, that's when power begins to flow. God gives you the desires of your heart. God gives you the desires of your heart. That's why, that's why we have altar calls. Point number two is repentance. Realign through repentance. Because God will give you the desires of your heart. The, the Bible says that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And then we, realize, we read later that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But Pharaoh hardened his heart first. In the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, it says, And these people did not acknowledge God. They didn't acknowledge the Creator. But in their rebellion, rejected Him and chose vice. So God gave them over to vile affections and passions. And they didn't acknowledge God but they went even deeper, went into all kinds of sexual perversion. So God gave them over to a debased mind. And they still didn't acknowledge God, but they went even further. And it says, so God gave them over. In other words, God gave them what they desired. There are people in hell. There really is a hell because there are people that don't want anything to do with God. So God gives them what they want. Hell is the place in the universe where God has withdrawn His presence. That's why it's hell. 
See, the Bible says that God is light. In him, there is no darkness. So hell is a place with a darkness that can be felt. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. There's no joy in hell. There's only torment because joy, because God's presence has been, you don't want to go to hell. But God will give you what you want. That's why we have altar calls so that you can come and you can say, Holy Ghost, will you help me weed out some of these desires in my heart, some of the evil, some of the perversion, some of the wickedness, some of the ungodliness, some of the bitterness, some of the resentment, some of the hostility. I, I wanna murder this, but I wanna kill that person. I wanna... I was probably just projecting a little too transparently there. My goal when I turned 18, when I came to Christ, was I, w- I was going to beat my dad within an inch of his life to make up for all the years that had all this anger, all this animosity. And I came to Jesus. And he said, well, you let me have that. No, because I don't trust that. No, he doesn't deserve to get away with it. And you're merciful. And he's like, do you want my mercy? Oh, I want your mercy. I just don't want him to have it. And it doesn't work that way. He says, but as you get to know me, you'll, you'll learn that you can trust me. Not one person will walk around in heaven going, man, feel a little bit chipped. God is perfect in His justice. When the books are opened on that day, there won't be one person saying, oh, I reckon I only deserved a little more than that. Not one of us will fall in our face. Say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. God is perfect in justice. God is perfect in His righteousness. I love January, Pastor Alex, because I get to realign my life. One of the saddest things, Diana, I heard is a preacher preaching against repentance, saying that you don't need repentance if you're in Jesus. Can I just say this? This Sunday is Freedom Sunday. That's a lie from the devil because I have found God has been unable to deliver me from anything I'm unwilling to repent of because God gave me free will. And if I choose this vice, even though He's saying it's killing you, it's poison, no, I want it. He won't take it. He'll ask for it. He'll convict me. He'll say, I've got better for you. But He won't snatch it from my hand. But if I repent, if I say, God, I'm addicted to this and it's destroying my life. And Lord, I repent. I don't want it anymore. Will you take it from me? His power comes. Repentance is one of the most beautiful gifts. And I know that it's a word that's been, you know, so poorly portrayed in religious circles. But repentance is a beautiful thing. If you feel even the slightest conviction, run to the altar, repent. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Wages, like wages, you know, we pay our staff on the first and on the 15th. So on the first of the month and on the 15th of month, their wages turn up in their bank account. So you may say, man, well, you don't understand. I'm I'm living in sand and Ain't nothing. Well, if it didn't happen on the, there's going to be a 50. At some point in your bank account, and the wages of sin is death. It's, it's, 
death to peace of mind. It's death to your legacy. It's death to your marriage. It's death. Whatever area of sin, don't hold on to it. Repent of it. Get rid of it. The last one, number three, is God births things from life's not fair. Leanne and I have been talking about Job. Job. The opening of Job is Satan says, oh, your, your friend Job? Yeah, the only reason he worships you is because of all the stuff, all the blessing. You let me take away the blessing. So God allows Job, uh, Satan to take all Job's blessing. And Job keeps worshiping. So then the devil says, all right, an eye for an eye. He says, you let me afflict him. You let me hurt him. Job is unaware of the dialogue. Job is unaware of this conversation in heaven. All he knows is his seven sons and his three daughters are tragically killed. All he knows is that all of his stock, all of his cattle, all of his are wiped out in a day. All he knows is that he went from a man who could lift his head high to all of a sudden now everybody gossiping about him. Then he has three friends that come and they accuse him for over like 36 chapters. They accuse him of wrongdoing. They accuse him, well, it's because there's sin in your life. Uh, you, you brought this on. It's sowing and reaping. It's karma, baby. And, and they're doing all of this stuff. And then God intervenes, chapter 38. And then in 41, God says to, to Job, He says, listen, He says, here's the deal. Whatever the devil meant for evil, I'm gonna turn around. I'm gonna give you double for your trouble. But the only way that's gonna be restored is you need to pray for your friends. I'm like, you know what? I'm tapping out here. The devil killed all my 10 kids, wiped out all my bank accounts. These pelicans came and just gave me dreadful arguments, advice, blaming me. You acknowledge they're the ones that gave you, gave me poor counsel about you. What they said was not true. And now you're asking me the victim here to pray and bless them. Are you serious? And the Bible says, when Job prayed for his friends, the Lord not only restored double for his trouble, but gave him length of days so that he saw five generations of his children. God restored. If you were to interview Job right now in heaven, if you were to go to heaven and interview Job and go, oh, you're Job. Oh my, you're the guy. Yeah, we talk about you. I mean, we avoided reading your book because I didn't want that to happen to me. I was honest with you. He would tell you, are you serious? I had 10 kids, now I've got 20. And I got to see my children and my children's children and my children's children's children and my children's children. They reckon it was about one year of suffering. And God gave him like a hundred years of in eternity. Job is laughing. Sometimes we go through things that seem unfair, but you need to understand there's a God that births 
the births a, co uh, a compensation in unfair seasons and unfair moments, unparalleled and unmatched. It was not fair that Joseph was betrayed by his brothers, yet he sat at the right hand of Pharaoh and had the highest seat of honor in the entire land of Egypt. It wasn't fair that David was, was the son of, of adultery and put out with the sheep and at best was seen as a, as a FedEx Amazon courier to take bread and cheese to the battle. But this boy that was rejected by his daddy, hidden from the prophet, when the prophet was coming to say, hey, one of your sons is gonna be king, he says to David, now you go as far away as you can but God is a God who sees in the unfair. And what God births in the unfair is supernatural. If, you, if you're going through anything that doesn't seem fair, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because the God that you and I serve, come on, let's stand to our feet, I'm way over time. Dr. Matt already threatened me, he said, if you go over time, we can't have you back. Can I come to Bressy? Thank you. Thank you. Lisa, <laughs> come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Say these words, say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that tonight there is a faith that flows from Abraham. Tonight, because I am born again, I'm a child of the Most High. I am in Christ. That flow of faith, old faith for a new year is flowing through me. I live with expectation. This is gonna be the greatest year of my life. I'm gonna see miracles. I'm gonna see breakthrough. Debts are gonna be canceled. Supernatural provision, supernatural healing, supernatural reconciliation is my portion this year. I thank you today that I'm gonna repent of anything that is trying to sabotage your goodness, that is trying to bring death into areas where you want me to have life. I repent tonight and I thank you, Father, that when life seems unfair, you birth your greatest miracles. In Jesus' name, amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.